the true impact of Christ in a person's life is intended not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. The impact is called the awakened life. Stay tuned to this message to discover how to live the awakened life. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and then we'll make our way on over to 1 Samuel 27. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I'm going to dive straight in this morning because I, I just believe that God has a strong word for us today. I want to talk with you today about good news for backsliders. Good news for backsliders. This week as I was working out, one of the messages that I listened to was by, by Dr. James Merritt, and he was preaching on 1 Corinthians 10, and I wanted to include this in the sermon today because I believe it's really powerful. Most of us, if you grew up in church, you grew up hearing something like this, God will never place upon you more than you can bear. Have you ever heard that? I, I always had that found that to be a tough pill to swallow because I didn't believe it. I'm going to say it again, I didn't believe it. Because that's not what the scripture says. Listen to what Dr. Merritt said. He said this, and I quote, God does not say that he will not place on you more than you can bear. Here's what God says. He will not place on you more than you, than he can bear. Did you hear the difference? God will not place on you more than you and he together can bear. But if you, listen to me, if you yourself are trying to bear things, <clears throat> you're going to fail. Here's what the Bible says. Say, say amen if you're in 1 Corinthians 10. I want to back up to verse 11. Actually, it says this. Now, these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Paul says all that went on in the Old Testament happened for our instruction and for our example. So when we look at the life of David, we see a guy, now hold your place there for a moment, who last week in this awakened life took an exit too soon from God. He went from the perfect will of God into the permissive will of God. In other words, he went from being faithful to being disobedient. He literally actually backslid in his relationship with God. Now, notice what the Scripture says right here. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands, or in other words, he's better than those around him, take heed lest he also fall. Just in case today that you are thinking, I am super Christian. you got a big ass tattooed somewhere on you. And it's not a lot to see my brother's uh, skip stone. I'm not talking about that coach you've got on right now with that. But if you think you're that super Christian, be careful because you're going to fall. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. In other words, you're not the first one down the path, going to get an amen, that's going to have these trials and tribulations, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. You say, wait a minute, right there it is. But what is your ability? Before coming to know Christ, all that you had was your ability. You didn't have anything of God in you. It was just you, your strength, your wits, your way. But then when Christ came to live inside of you, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and 6, he said, you need to stir up what God's given you. He didn't give you fear. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Well, when did he give that? When you got saved. So when you got saved, you had a dependence on God. It's the no longer I life. And so what Paul's saying to the Corinthians is that God will never put on you more than you and he can bear if you walk in him. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to walk in him. Look at the other way and say, you need to walk in him. That's a good thing to do. Some of you look to the wall. That's what I would do. There's no one around me right now. Look to him. Now, with that said, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 27. As you're turning there, I remind you that, that David, for eight and a half years, walked with God in faithfulness. It was he and God. But in the moment when the spirit of fear rose up inside of him, he took an exit too soon. And listen to me. Look this way now. 
he failed. Now, in most of our modern churches today, most people don't want to talk about the sin. And they, they do that because they're afraid of running off the crowd. I have to talk about sin because of what the Bible talks about. And I don't want to be a failure. Now, Abraham Lincoln said this. Think about this. He said this, my great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. Now, think about this. We fail at different levels. Some of us fail just in a moment, correct? And when we have that moment with God, here's what that we do. We immediately repent because of our close walk with God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been driving just a little bit over the speed limit, 70 and 55, just a little bit over? And someone cuts you off. In that moment, do you say, God, forgive me, or did you have a lapse? Or maybe you judge somebody, James 5 and 11. There's one lawgiver, there's one judge, God himself. And you stepped into that. But as soon as you did, the sweet Holy Spirit of God, James 5, excuse me, Galatians 5 and 16, convicted you and said, don't do that, and you repented. Anybody fail for just a moment this week? Uh-huh. Ooh, most of us, first service is a bunch of liars, only about half in this room, all right? Secondly, some of us, it's not, it's not just a moment. Some of us, we have an extended time. It's a, it's a few hours. You, you, get in that, you get in that moment that you sin and you're battling through it. You don't want to admit it. Anybody? James, excuse me, Galatians 5. I got James on the brain. This is our teaching tonight. But listen to me. In Galatians 5 and 17, the Bible says this. It said, the spirit and the flesh, they battle. So some of you, that truth is this week you've had a moment where that you failed and you fought through it. You, you kind of had some pride. Anybody ever had pride just rise up? You knew that you were wrong, but you just kind of fought through it. It happens in relationships, doesn't it? You get an argument at home, and somebody has to be right, and I know what some are saying. Yeah, I know who that is. And Somebody has to be right. Somebody has to be wrong. Because if you've got different opinions, you can't both be right. Despite what the government says, despite what modern society says, somebody's wrong. And so the reality is that God has to be right because he is right. And so some of us, we go through failure, but then there's another time of failure. It's called an extended time. This is that when that you actually in your life, because of many different reasons, you backslide when you fail to put on the armor of God. Now, you know the armor of God correctly, and we'll talk about that later on in the message, but God says there's a way that you don't have to fail. I want to say this morning as your pastor, not, not as a, just as a pastor, but as a follower of Christ, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail my Lord. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, whoever says he abides in the Lord should walk just as he walks. So I don't want to, to, I don't want to backslide. Now, you may not know what backsliding means. When I was a young guy, many, many moons ago, as Pastor Chris says, the war between the states, and that's okay. I can still outrun him in a pinch when I'm scared. But now listen to this. When I grew up, the backsliding was commonly preached in churches. We're not talking about now losing your salvation. I believe clearly the scripture is clear. If you read the book there, I wrote as a commentary about that. I wrote it extensively about how that we have the perseverance of the saints. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you can lose your fellowship and your relationship with God in that moment. You're still his, but you sure don't act like his. There's a, there's a problem that's, that's in between you and God. And David came in that moment to be backslidden, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is this, to lapse morally into a practice of religion or revert to a worse condition. David in his life is about to go into a moment where that in his fellowship and in his life with God for 16 months, he and God are on different paths. Now, I want you to see it in chapter 27, and the Bible says down in verse 6, So that day Achish gave Ziglag, chapter 27, verse 6, gave Ziglag, therefore has belonged to kings of Judah since that day. 
And the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. That, that's 16 months. For 16 months of his life, he went over to the enemy and he lived, now listen, this one author said it this way, a compromising life. He lived a backslidden life. He walked away from God. And I, I suggest to you this morning, I suggest to you in love that I'm speaking to some people in this room that you are backslidden and you don't want to admit it. God has extremely revealed this to me, that his perfect blessings are for people who are not in his permissive will, but in his perfect will. I can prove that to you over and over again in Scripture. I believe that God blesses those who walk in a holy way before him. In James chapter 4 that we'll see tonight in our student ministry together, excuse me, in our, our young adult ministry together tonight, we'll see that God says this, unless you humble yourself before me, Unless you draw near and repent before me, I cannot perfectly bless your life. And I've suspected today that there's some in this room that maybe for a short time or extended time that you are failing God and you've gotten used to it. I believe that most Christians are dealing with a backslidden condition, but because we, that we do the big things and God is gracious and merciful and his permissive will with you, that you don't realize what you are sowing to yourself and you're missing out on the perfect will of God. For 16 months, David didn't write one psalm. For 16 months, he lived his life. Now listen to this. He lived his life out of the will of God, or is this going to come on the screen for you? David faced the consequences of his sin. Now, I love you today. I, 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 I love my own life, my family's life. Imagine how that no one wants to talk about the reality of that what David did. Here's what David did. David went and lived as a mercenary in a foreign country. David slipped back out of Israel, and he began to, to live in the place where his enemy was. And he thought this, I can get away from Saul. My life is going to be fine. My family is going to be fine. So he literally decided to compromise. And for 16 months, here's what he did. The king, one of the kings of the Philistines thought that he was faithful to him. But he was living, can I say this to you in the crowd, a double life. A double life. There was a, one of our students in Malawi last year, one of our students that went from here, said this at some point when God dealt with the heart and they, they came home to the Lord. They said this, I am so glad that God gives grace to people who do stupid things. I put that in the book. It touched me that much. Anybody in the room say, that's me at times, that did some stupid things in my life. Now hear me now. David, for 16 months, made the king of the Philistines think that he was for him, but secretly living a double life, he was going to the Gergesites, the Gerasites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, who were the enemies of Israel. He would go in and he'd go to their villages and he'd kill everybody in their families. He'd wipe the whole village out, and then he'd take all their spoil. He'd bring some to the king, and he thought, he thought that he was blessing them, but he'd take the rest of it and give it to the tribes of Israel. And so here he was playing both sides against the middle. Can I tell you today that I struggle with that? I struggle with David in this moment. J.D. Greer, better than I, said it this way. This was a strange way for David to think he could get to the throne of Israel. This was a strange thing. He said, I don't know what to do with David here. There's the king who, in Israel who needed to be removed, but there was this guy that God had promised this to, but then there's, he did something that I can't get my mind wrapped around. There's times I can't get my mind wrapped around things. I can't get my mind wrapped around how they just seemingly people are one way, but there might be a double life. You see, today as we gather with David, the truth is there's a group of people that thought he was holy, but the truth is he was as unholy as the lost. 
So uh, where are you? Where am I? Could there be a level of power that you don't have, that you could have in your home if you were not in a backslidden condition? Because you see, every time the devil lies and fools us and thinks that because we don't, we've never murdered anybody, we're, we're not doing the big sins, that, that we must be in the perfect will of God. Friend, listen to me. God, God requires holiness. And so I know, Pastor Howard, that I have to every day before God buckle it up and make sure that I'm right with God because, Don, I've said things that I shouldn't say. I have literally been backslidden in the pulpit. So I come to you today, not out as a condemning heart, but try to help you today to walk not in a backslidden condition, but in the perfect will of God. So how does, how, does it, how does a backslidden condition, what does it look like? Three things. First of all, you're on an island by yourself. Can you imagine David for 16 months ashamed to look in the eyes of the other 600 soldiers? I think that I'm talking to some people today that you're on an island. You're like the person that, that really, really in a moment in time that you didn't intend to have an affair, but it came up on you because you didn't have the armor of God on you didn't, you didn't intend to, in your mind, in your thought life, to go the wrong way. Just a few things happened in your life, and you just began to kind of turn a different way. Some of you, listen to me, you have carried the garbage so long that you actually protect the garbage. I don't mean to say that in a, in a hurtful way, but friend, I don't want to be arrogant with my family. I don't want to be prideful. I, I, I don't want to say I'm a sold-out follower of God if I'm a half-follower of God. Because listen to me, here's the second thing is this. You get caught up in a mess. David is in a mess. And what does he do about it? Have you ever prayed that God may no one know how I'm living? Have you ever really just, just hoped that no one... Have you ever just... What happens when you get isolated? You just pull away from everybody. You go and do your thing, but that's it. Because you don't want to be around somebody because if you're around somebody, they're going to know. When you get caught up, when you get caught up, what do you do? And David got caught up. And so 16 months later, if you go to chapter 29 with me, 16 months later, David and his men are called by the heads of the Philistines. They gathered together, chapter 29 and verse 1. Now, the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Apex, and the Israelites were camped by the spring that's in Jezreel. All of the lords of the Philistines were passing on by, by the hundreds and by the thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. In other words, they had been called together. Now, listen to me. Saul is three days from death. They're going to go and attack the Philistines, and the Philistines are going to attack the Israelites, and it's all going to be over. It's going to be over. Every enemy of David is going to be killed, and even his best friend, Jonathan, will lose his life within three days. He's three days' life with everything being removed, and now he's come. Now watch. He's being called to place. Now watch. To go against the people of God. And there he stood. And the Philistines are saying, now we're going against Saul and David. I can't imagine what was in his mind. See, that's why today in churches that preach the truth of the word of God, that people a lot of times stay out. They don't want to be there. Because when they go, they just feel so bad and they want to do better. And I, I suspect I'm talking to people in this room today that want to do better. But the trash is there and you're in a backslidden state and, and you just, just, you're caught up in it. And what do you do? 
You know, what would, a, what would a deacon of this church or a pastor of this church or you as an ordained man or you as a husband, what, what, what would the men of this church do that, that if all of our sin came out? I don't want you to be in a mess. I want you to be righteous before God. Because now watch, for 16 months, David's family were, would grow up underneath a guy riding the fence. I believe there are things in our lives right now that if we just surrender them fully and wholly to God, that we dance on the field of victory. There's another part to this. They struggle to change directions. We want to do right, don't we? We want to live the right way. Here David was, he comes, and, and here's the deal. The, the leaders of the Philistines who were over Achish, who was a, who was a lesser leader, they come, to, they come to him and say, now listen, why in the world have you got David? Because they sang about David that he killed his 10,000, saw his thousand. Do you not know that David will change sides in the midst of this battle? And they said, you can't go. And so the king comes to David and he says, I, I want to tell you, you're, you're a man of God. And the truth is, he wasn't a man of God in that moment. And you've been faithful. You're like God to me. And he went back. You see, there's a struggle with what to do. And the scripture says, if you'll turn to chapter 30 with me, that David and his men came, in verse 1, to Ziglag on the third day. It took them 60 miles to get back. And so those three days, I think he was celebrating, Brother Larry. He was celebrating. I got out of this mess. But as he came up over the hill, back to the city of Achish, excuse me, Ziglag. He looked, and the city was on fire. What had happened? What had happened to the man of God, the man who said, I love you, Lord, the one who says, I'm saved, and nobody can tell me that I'm not. In this moment, friend, it all came crashing down. Galatians 6 and 7, you will reap what you sow. He comes to the city and finds that his, his family and all the other families have been taken by the Amalekites. In other words, they returned upon him what he'd been doing for 16 months. I just want to tell you this, that God is a loving and a merciful God, but he is a just God. And if you and I choose to live with trash in our lives, he will send the trash company at one point, and when they pick it up, it will hurt. All 600 of their families had been gone now. They'd been taken away. And the very thing that he was trying to keep Saul from doing, the enemies of God did. I want you to hear this. I said this in the, in the first service. We lie. We hear the lie of the devil who says, if you serve God, it'll cost you too much. I want to tell you this. It's the devil that will cost you everything. And some of you are living your life right now in the consequences of a backslidden state with God. The Bible says in that moment that David's own warriors turned against them and wanted to kill him. You say, Keith, are, are you serious? Look in verse 4, chapter 30. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also were taken with him. Verse number 6, and David was greatly distressed for the people. Now notice this. They sought of, of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. That's the same phrase that was used in chapter 22 when eight and a half years, or actually now 10 years earlier, when the 600 had left all of Israel and came to David because they were bitter with Saul. Now they're bitter with David. The very thing he did not want to happen, happened. You said, I don't want to be like my mom and dad. They're backslidden. Where are you? I promised to God I'd be better. Where are you? 
I'm not saying this to hurt you, but I'm saying to you that we get caught in a mess and we struggle with the decision. Can I plead with you today in the midst of your distress, awaken to where you are and to choose a different path. The Bible gives us the best news in the world here in this moment in verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You say, what did David do in this moment? Friend, hear the truth of God's word. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, Whoever conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and turns from his sin will be blessed by the Lord. David came home. David repented. The Bible is so clear that in this moment, F.B. Meyer says it this way. He said, in that dreaded hour, with the charred embers smoking at his feet, with a cold hand of anxiety for the fate of his family in his heart, with his conscience killing him, his mind knowing that it was alienated from the Father, suddenly his heart sprang back to life, back to its resting place in the arm of God. He did Psalm 51, 1 and 2. God, wash me and cleanse me from my sin. Have mercy on me, God. He came running home. Do you know what that is? David did not only face the consequences, but he found, here's the second thing, he found God, listen to this, to be a compassionate and restoring God. David said, God, I want to come home. What does it look like to be in the perfect will of God? You say, well, Keith, I'm okay with God. I'm okay with God. I hope so. I pray so. But what does it look like? Listen to me. David, number one, he repented and he did come home. And when he repented and came home, here's the thing. Fellowship was restored with God. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. When you're in fellowship with God, prayer is not something manufactured or mechanical. It is meaningful. You know, it's hard to talk to somebody you don't know. It's hard to talk to somebody you only see every six months. David returned to the place, and he simply said this to God. The Bible says he said, and he prayed. Here's how I know when I'm in the perfect will of God, my prayer is real. I journal every day of my life. But the reason that I do that is because some days, Brother Howard, I'm not in the perfect will of God and my mind wanders when I'm not. Is is this ministering to anybody? But when I'm in the perfect will of God, I can't, that's why that sometimes Sherry and Kelly others like, Keith, you have to write in tongues. You got to write better than that. But I'm telling you, when when I'm praying in the will of God, I am writing so fast, it's not anything that you could read, but I can go back and look at it directly, Miss Lucy, because in that moment, I'm walking with God. Are you in such fellowship with God that as soon as you sin, he's like, don't do that. I want to tell you, when you're in fellowship with God, you will diffuse an argument in your home. When you are in fellowship with God, you'll walk into a room and you'll read the room unlike you ever have before. When you are in fellowship with God, God will directly tell you what to do. I know when I'm in fellowship with God, I can say this to God, tell me what to do. David was in fellowship. He also, this notice this, he was focused on, on the power of the Holy Spirit. God told him this. Now listen to me. God said, I want you to go down and defeat them. 
He goes with the 600. They go with him. And the scripture said, as they're going, now listen to this, there is an Egyptian who was a slave of one of the Amalekites that had taken his family, who three days earlier had gotten sick and was left, listen to me, three days earlier. When David was getting out of his mess three days earlier, as God was giving him grace, he was establishing somebody ahead of him. Listen, God has grace for your future. God has grace for your future. There's somebody outside this church that has a word from God from you, for you if you'll just listen. But you see, the Bible says that this man was there, and he, David comes up to him, and they, they've got this guy, and he tells his story. He says, I was sick, and my master left me. And David said, now, can you, do you know where they are? There was a vast desert. They, could have, they might have never found them. But here was this guy who God allowed to get sick so they could find them. He said, David, sir, I just ask that you don't kill me. If you promise not to kill me, I'll take you. So that he leads them to the battlefield, and there they are. They're drunk. They're partying heavily. They're spread out all over, all over the desert. And the scripture says that from twilight to the next evening that David 600 avenges their enemy probably of thousands. Here's the best part. He gets back all his family and they've lost nothing. Here's the last part. When you are, you are where you need to be, fellowship is restored, focus comes back, but there's the favor of God on your life. There's the favor of God on your life. There's the spoil of God. Can I say it this way? God spoils you. Why is this church united and how that for nine years you can look at our record that we have not had a split, we have an argument, we don't fight? You say, what's well, because we're so outward folks? That's part of it. But it's because that when you move from the permissive to the perfect will of God, people cease being about themselves. And watch this. God spoils you. When I go preach elsewhere, Don, I can't wait to get home. Churches three to four times our size will come after the different pastors on our staff and say, do you want to go and work there? Can I tell you this? Every pastor that's ever served here that walked in the presence of God said this, they wish they'd never left. Wow. But here's the deal. There's some steps you've got to walk. First of all, you should repent as soon as you sin against God. Now, some of you are mad at me right now. You know why? It's because you're mad over your trash. Don't come to me with your trash and try to say to me after the service, Keith, you, you, you said something against me. I love you. God can't spoil you if you're spoiled with the world. But now watch this. Erwin Lutzer, the retired pastor of Moody Church, one of the greatest pastors ever lived in America, said this. He said, don't, don't, don't think and don't forget that when you sin, that there's not consequences. He said this, if you've walked three days away from the Lord, there's three days of consequences as you walk back. He gives you forgiveness here and his favor to walk back, but it hurts along the way. So if you've been walking a long season of being backslidden, there's some ground to make up. The first ground is repentance. The second ground is to keep on the armor of God. Every day I pray as a part of my routine in the midst of the petition section, I pray through every part of the armor of God. I want to suggest to you that you memorize the armor of God. I want to suggest to you that every morning you get up and you put on the belt of the truth of the word of God. But I sit before God, God, am I believing the truth? 
Every day, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. God, show me the things that keep it off of me and put on that righteousness in my life, the imputed righteousness of God. Every day, I put on the shoes of the gospel and say, God, today, don't let me back up, slow down, or get out of the way, but God, let me be on the way because you are a devil chaser, soul winning God. And every day, I put up the shield of faith. I think that David had taken down the shield of faith and he backslid. He's going to come home, and he did come home. But do you know what's down his path? There's David and Bathsheba down his path still waiting for him. And friend, down the road from you, if you don't get rid of the sin now, it's something far worse, far worse than you've been in now. You see, I put on the armor of God, and also I put on the helmet of salvation. Think the right thing. Be biblically. Be biblical in a world. Have a biblical worldview and not a Keith worldview. And then lastly and finally, I put on, listen to these, I pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If David had stayed in the Word of God, now watch this, his family would not have been taken. They didn't lose a thing, but you know what? There are the scars. Are there any scars that are going to come because of where you are? I hope not. I hope not, I hope not, I hope not, I hope not, I hope not. But if they are, listen to me, they're not worth being backslidden. Some of you would say this, Keith, it's, it's not me. I, I'm not in that state right now. If you're not, praise be unto God. If you're right where God wants you to be, here's what your takeaway is. Go after those who are in a backslidden state. Just go after them. Go after them. Sure, and I have people in our path that we go after. There's a person in this church who's who just going through a tough time, and they have, they have a child that's just running from God. And I told them last week, I want you to know I'm going after them as hard as you are. Don't give up. Don't, you may have someone in prison. Don't give up. They be, may be as mean as you as they can be. Don't give up. Because God can save anybody as long as they get the light of the gospel. Thank you for joining us for the Awaken Life series. For more information about this series or to receive the companion book, you can reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com. May God richly bless you as you live the Awaken Life.